Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Collection of talks called Sliding into God's DMs. And the idea is that many of us, we follow Jesus the way we follow celebrities and influencers online. But the way that we don't talk to them, I want you to talk to Jesus. And this, this collection of talks, if you guys have this, this prayer journal, uh, the, the goal of this prayer journal, let me just tell you, is not prayer. It's God. Let me tell you an example of this. Imagine I'm on a bicycle riding to God the Father, and I'm, a, I'm like halfway down the street. I'm like, God, he's like, come home. And I'm riding, and I get to the front yard, and I jump off the bike, and God and I are running together, and as I'm running towards him with my arms out, he grabs me by the face and throws me on the ground, and then he hugs my bike. And some of you think God loves prayer. He loves you. Prayer is the vehicle to get you to God. And the whole point of this collection of talks is not to pray more, because that is a good thing. It's a vehicle to get more of God. Amen? Amen. And we want to, like, instill this value, because this church was birthed in a prayer closet. Uh, It's crazy to believe that, but uh, when, when I was not even teaching and preaching, when I was an engineer, it was in a season where I was just praying. God, when are you going to use me? What are you, you going to do? I haven't teached, taught, pastored in three years. And it was in that prayer closet that God began to speak dreams, things I could never uh, imagine. And that's what this whole collection of talks is. I want you talking to Jesus. Amen? I got a word today. Are you guys ready? Yeah. It's going to be a little challenging, but it's going to inspire you. Y'all ready? Yeah. Amen. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, it is written, no eye has seen What no ear has heard and what no mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And Psalm 42, this is one of my life verses. As a deer pants for for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My God, my, my soul thirsts for the living God. I love this idea of a deer. It's not even using words. It's it's longing for God. It just wants more of God. And some of you in this room, I'm just letting you know, you're always asking, how do I pray better, Pastor Ali? I want to teach you that sometimes you've got to turn your brain off to connect with God better. That's why the title of this sermon is called Soul Prayers. Soul Prayers. It's hard for us techies that are so analytical and we use our mind. But I want you to connect with God in a way that you have. I'm hoping this sermon unlocks something for you the way it did for me six years ago. Let's pray before we talk about prayer. Amen. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in this faith community, God. Thank you so much that you brought us here. Uh, Forgive us, God, that sometimes we have brain farts in the prayer closet. But we want to connect with you, Jesus. We want to talk with you. God, teach us how to simplify our prayers. Just how to just be in continual conversation with you. God, we, we came in this room one way. We want to walk out another May we love like you. May we talk like you. And if you believe that, everybody said? Everybody said? Come on. Can we give just Jesus a round of applause? I'm so thankful for what God is doing in our community. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I I got my engineering degree in computer science. Almost got my minor in math. Yes, I'm a nerd. Come on. Uh, I I was the guy that played uh, chess in high school. Don't laugh. Uh, I I love playing poker because it's a math game for me. And uh, people don't like it because I can count cards and I can do the percentages and it's fun, but, but sometimes I bring that analytical brain to the church, 
And what allows me to succeed in the tech industry actually causes me to suffer in the house of God. And I didn't understand this until I really had a physical ailment that didn't just change me physically, but changed me spiritually. Uh, I know, I, I, although I'm a nerd, I play a lot of sports on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days, you know. Um, I, I tore my labrum playing indoor basketball and indoor football. And if you don't know what a labrum is, it's, it's this muscle that goes from your back all the way down your bicep. And I remember I couldn't throw a football. I had all this pain. I went to the doctor. I'm like, what's going on? Is it just soreness? He's like, no, your labrum's torn. I said, well, explain what this means. I didn't go to medical school. He's like, well, there's this muscle that goes from your back down to your bicep. I'm like, if it rips, what happens? He's like, you ever see John Elway? He has a big vein on his arm. I'm like, yeah, it looks like his biceps are huge. He's like, that's actually his muscle on his back that ripped and is now just hanging in his bicep. I was like, will it make my bicep look bigger? He's like, no. I'm like, we're doing surgery. Let's go. And uh, I didn't realize this at the time, but the surgery, it, it was like, a, like I thought like, oh, they're just going to go in, fix it. It was, ma- I, I didn't get out of bed for a week. For a whole week, my wife would make breakfast and lunch. She'd put it on the side of the bed and I'd lay on my back for 12 to 15 hours a day because I was in so much pain. And they gave me medication that, listen, did not make me hallucinate, but it just gave me brain fog. I couldn't read for a week. I couldn't have conversations. Like, I really couldn't focus. But I never was more intimate with God during that week than ever before. And it, God showed me that once I turned my brain off, once I stopped trying to overthink everything about God, I began to speak to him and connect with him in another way. And then let me just pause for a moment. Some of you are like, Pastor Ali told me I can go get high and connect with Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying go take prescription drugs to get closer to God. Wake and bake, bro. Come on, for Jesus. No, I'm not saying that either. And I'm not saying you don't need to bring your brain to Jesus either. Jesus teaches the opposite. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, he says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, and all of your, what's that word? Mind. Mind. And sometimes we, we love bringing our passion, our energy, our will to Jesus. But some of you leave your brain at home. Some of you don't love to study the scriptures. Some of you don't like to read the scriptures. And God says, you can't even love me until you bring your mind to me. Wow. Don't just give it to your fantasy football team. Right. Ladies, don't just give it to Pinterest or whatever you call that thing. <laughs> it's this dark world that all the men are trying to understand what it is. It's just pictures? <laughs> Why are you on that all day? And Jesus is saying, that, that strategy, that mind where you think things through and plan things out. And you have Excel spreadsheets and you can plan parties. Do you plan your time with Jesus though? Do you bring your mind? And, and, and what's so crazy is that in America, one in three Americans have a college degree. In Silicon Valley, it's three out of four. They say we're the smartest, most educated people in America. But what's crazy at the same time as a pastor is not only we're the most unchurched, we're the least Bible-minded people in the country. So we'll give our mind to fantasy football, we'll give it to work, but we won't give it to Jesus. But at the same time, when we do bring our mind, there's this obstacle, there's this burden, there's this barrier where we, where we so overthink the things of God that we end up being around God, but we're never connecting with him. I wrote down like this, how many of us in our faith and prayer life are stifled because of our mind? You overthink prayer. You overcomplicate it. You, you wonder what God is like. It's like an ant trying to understand calculus. You ha- you're never going to understand. Your finite mind will never understand that infinite God. And I need to remind some very intelligent people in this room 
this very simple truth. Faith begins where understanding ends. You probably never heard this, but atheists have faith. You're not unique as a Christian by having faith in Jesus. Atheists have faith. You have just placed your faith in Jesus. I remember as a non-believer in college, there was this professor in calculus, and he said that, that he said one of the smartest atheist scientists in the world says, when you look at the world, there's only two explanations. Either God designed the world because how close the earth is to the sun, how, how, like, how it perfectly spins and allows life. He says, when you look at all the evidence, there's only two options, divine design or random accident. And he said, all the evidence points to divine design. He goes, but I refuse to believe in God. So I'm going to spend all of my time proving that he doesn't exist. I'm like, bro, that's not an intelligent decision. Sounds like you have more faith than I do, actually. And I want to remind some people, there's nothing wrong with bringing your brain to church, but still having faith. And I, I love the words of, of, of David where he says, meditate on, I meditate on the word of God day and night. When I meditate on the word, it's like a tree planted by streams of living water. Its leaves never wither. And that same David said, your word is a lamp until my feet, and it leads me and guides me. And that same David who brought his mind to God, the same David who, who memorized scripture said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Let me paraphrase that. One day in his presence is better than a thousand in the library. Better is one mind, one prayer with God where I'm connecting with him, not just with my mind, but with my heart, than a thousand where I'm studying God, but not experiencing him. I wrote this down like this. Prayer is not just a mind exercise. It's a soul exercise. I'm trying to convince some techies in this room to turn off your brain. So many of you in this room, you'll, you'll, you'll experience the presence of God in this room. And then on Tuesday, you'll be like, you'll think your way out of a blessing. That wasn't God. No, 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 no. That couldn't possibly be. And you'll rationalize and you'll think your way out of having a relationship with God. Or my favorite is the people that like tattoo stuff on their arms. They can quote scripture. They can memorize scripture. They can preach scripture. And every time they spend time with God, they're thinking about when's God going to do it, how God's going to do it, where God's going to do it. And you spend so much time thinking and trying to understand. You can't understand an infinite God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. And this is why for many centuries, theologians have been telling Christians, turn off your brain. If you want to connect with Jesus, not that you leave your intelligence at the door, but you're overthinking it. Prayer is simple. Prayer is the intimacy of relationship. It's talking to God. The great theologian, Theophan, the recluse, who is a, 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 a Russian Orthodox priest, he said this, to pray is to descend with the mind into the heart. It's this idea that when I'm praying to God, really connecting with him, my brain is falling into my heart. And I'm not just connecting with him intellectually. I'm connecting with him on a soul level. Some of you hear this, you're like, Pastor Ali, this sounds like really weird. How do I actually like do this? Do I need to take Oxycontin to, do, to experience what you experience? No. I want to make this as practical as I can because really my heart behind this is that your prayer life will change. The way you talk to Jesus would change, and it would be less of a mental exercise and more of a soul exercise, and you would have this intimacy in the same way that a deer isn't talking, but its soul is longing for water. Its soul is crying out for connection, that you would begin to pray and connect with God on a soul level. God, I long for you. I don't even need words to communicate that. 
As a deer pants for living water, so my soul longs for you. How do we do that, though? I'm going to teach you three ways to do that. Super simple. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes in church, write this down. Why, Pastor Ali? Because if you take notes in church, you're more likely to go to heaven. For all the new people, you're 95% more likely to go to heaven if you take notes in church. Those are good odds, actually, for all you intelligent techies. Number one, simple prayer. Someone say simple. simple. I love talking to new people at church, but it's always fun for me as a pastor to hear them pray publicly out loud. People change. They'll talk to you in a normal, and then the moment you ask them to pray, they become a different person. They develop an accent. My favorite person is the person that begins, hi, my name is Jeff. What's your name? And the moment you ask them to pray out loud, they have a microphone. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. I'm like, bro, we're at McDonald's. What are you doing? My favorite person is the person who talks normal, like almost like street language. And the moment you ask them to pray out loud, they become a, a seminary professor, a Western seminary. It's like, thank you, Jesus, for the propitiation of sins, that, that you were slain before the foundations of the world, that, that the eschatology of the cross allows me to, what? what? Why are you talking like that, bro? Or, or my favorite is the person who, get, who develops Asperger's when they, you ask them to pray out loud. Like, they begin to say the, the one name of God a hundred times. Thank you, Father God, for everything. Father God, Father God, thank you, God, Father God, for tomorrow. Thank you, Father God, for today. Father God, Father God, Father God. Why do we complicate prayer? Because prayer for so many of us in this room is about impressing people, not connecting with God. And the reason prayer, I wrote this on the screen, the reason prayer is hard for so many people is you're, you're complicating it. You're, you're, you're making it harder. Prayer becomes weird when you try to impress instead of connect. You don't need to be a different person. Be you. That's why I love praying with new believers because they pray the craziest prayers. If they don't cuss, it sounds different. And even when they do, I'm like, yes, Lord. Thank you. He's in my group. Amen. And I remember one time I went to coffee at Starbucks and there was this guy. He, he had just accepted Christ that Sunday. We were grabbing coffee at Santana Row. I said, bro, before we eat this meal, I need you to pray. He's like, I don't know how. I'm like, are we talking? He's like, yeah. I'm like, then you know how to pray. Just talk to God. He's like, okay. And I love when new believers, they pray. They don't close their eyes like all the other Christians. Like, what's up, Jesus? Uh, thank you for this awesome day that we're here. That's it. And they looked at me, he's like, was that okay? I'm like, yeah, bro, that was awesome. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to overcomplicate prayer. It's just talking to God. And I love that the disciples, when they spent three years with Jesus, they saw him do miracles. They saw him preach. They saw him walk on water. They saw him change bread to feed thousands of people. And they never said, teach us how to preach. Teach us how to pray in tongues. They didn't say, ask any of those things. And you know what they said? Teach us how to pray. Because yeah. you make it so simple. When, when they pray, it sounds like they're, they're talking to some, like, super high person. But when you pray, Jesus, it sounds like he's right next to you. Can you teach me how to do that? Watch what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. My prayer life changed. When I first became a believer, my, my pastor said, worship for five minutes, read the word for five minutes, and then pray for five minutes. And for the first year, that, that was my pattern. If you're a new believer, that's your pattern. And I remember I, I would spend the first four and a half minutes telling God all the things I needed. I need this. I need that. Help, help, help. 
And I spent maybe 20 to 30 seconds connecting with him. And then that verse changed everything. I don't even share what I need. My father already knows. So my prayer flipped. Now I spent 20 seconds telling him my needs and four and a half connecting with him. See, some of you overcomplicate prayer. So look at the, the brother of Jesus says, James. In James chapter 5, he says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I remember the first time I read that, I'm like, man, maybe one day I can be righteous. Maybe one day God will listen to me and my prayers will be awesome. And someone had to explain to me the gospel. Even though I was a Christian, I didn't fully understand righteousness is not something you give God. Well, Pastor Ali, righteousness is something God gives you. Second Corinthians 2 verse 5 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. That on the cross, Jesus was sinless and perfect, and I'm this ratchet person. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm maybe a 40, and I gave Jesus my 40. And on a cross, he died for my 40, but then he gave me his 100. So when I come to church and I pray, or I'm in home and I pray, or I'm in the bathroom, or I pray, or I'm in the shower, or I'm in the car, or I'm walking down the street, it does not matter what I did last week, last month, or even last night. My prayers are heard because I'm righteous because of what Jesus did for me. Your prayers, every single person in this room who's, who's in Christ, your prayers are heard and they're righteous and they're powerful. Watch what James says. He gives us this case study. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to build faith in you so that you will pray even more. He says, you are righteous, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then he gives us a case study. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. There are three people in the Bible that did resurrections. Jesus and Elijah was the second one. What do you mean I'm like him? I put my pants on one leg at a time. This guy sounds like he jumps into his pants. What are you talking about? I've never done that. This man told a widow to pour oil in as many jars as she could find, and hundreds of them were filled. I buy LaCroix, and it's gone the next day. You know? Why can't I multiply LaCroix? This is Elijah. He was a super spiritual man, and the Bible saying, you, you can pray just like him. And then watch what it says. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And I remember even after I believed that I'm righteous because of Jesus, I said, well, I'm not a prayer warrior, Jesus. I can't pray like him. I pray for parking spots. I pray for food. I pray for my fantasy football team. This guy prays for, like, the rain to shut down. I, I, I don't know how to pray those prayers until I actually read his prayers and realized how, how, how wrong I was. Watch this. 1 Kings 18. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, get ready to be blown away by this super spiritual prayer. Lord, God of heaven, of a Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God, and the sky is blue. We'll put out the obvious here. And that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. I'm not blown away. I'm not sure if you are, but I'm like, okay, where's the good stuff? And here it is. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. How simple is that? It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Sometimes we think the effectiveness of our prayer is because of our vocabulary. It's because of our connection. Who are you praying to? Are you trying to impress man or are you actually speaking to God? 
Because when you're speaking to man, you try to impress him, your prayers will be long and eloquent. And maybe you develop an accent. And maybe your volume goes up. But when you're talking to someone who's next to you, all you got to say is, answer me, Lord. Answer me. And you don't need to yell because he's standing right next to you. And some of you in this room, you've been Christian your whole life. Maybe you're a PK. You're, you've, you're, you're a third-generation Christian. You're like, Pastor Ali, this is like basic. This is like so simple. I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with these simple prayers. I wrote down like this. Simple prayers might not be sophisticated, but they are supernatural. You don't need to pray for a miracle. You just ask for one. And it's not the volume of your voice or the vocabulary and the thesaurus that you bring out. It's the connection to the one who does the miracle. That's what it's trying to And if you don't like simple prayers, let me just warn you, you're not going to like heaven. <laughs> let me tell you what happens in Revelations. Revelations. And day and night, they never cease to say. These are the angels. And read their prayer. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And they pray it once, and they pray it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of God Almighty who was and is to come. And they're repeating it. And that's the power. It's, it's in the simplicity. It's in the repetitiveness of it. And that's where I, I'm trying to unlock something. When I was in bed with that soldier, shoulder surgery, I couldn't have a conversation with my wife for a week. I, I really couldn't even read a book. But it was the simple prayers that allowed me, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help. And I just pray the same prayer over and over again. And it wasn't the eloquence of my words. It was the posture of my heart. It's the simple prayers that allow you, because I'm talking to a person, not a person who's far away judging my prayers if it's some like, report card. You ever been to the beach and see kids build their father a sandcastle? The dad never shows up and goes, where's the moat? Where's the drawbridge? He's not judging what you're doing. He's just happy you're talking to him. Some of you need to come back to the heart of prayer. You're talking to a person. You're not trying to impress people. Some of you need to learn to turn your brain off. You're trying to bring your analytical brain. I got to do this. I got to say this. I got to do all these things. And you so overcomplicate prayer, you stop praying. Pray. Jesus, I need you today. Jesus, help. Simple prayers. Number two, if you're taking notes, it's continual prayers. Some will say continual prayers. My previous pastor, his name was a man, very godly man by the name of Kamil Navai. This, this man is probably one of the greatest evangelists in the Iranian community. But he's even more impressive off stage than he is on stage. Why? Because I got to spend time with this guy. There were times we get in a car and we drive somewhere to a meeting together, or we go to a, 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 like a prayer gathering, or we, we, we go to like a, a different home and like counsel people. This man was always praying. He turned the car, and he, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, we're praying right now? He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, well, you just prayed. He's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, bro, you just turned the keys and said, thank you, Jesus, started praying. He's like, did I? This man prays so often, he doesn't even know he's praying. I remember we, every time we had a meeting, every time we meet with someone, there were times where we were having lunch, and we'd be like, Pastor Ali, you pray. And as I'm praying, I can hear him, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, are, are you, are you, did you want to pray? Because the guys, even when I'm praying, he's praying. And he's developed this, this lifestyle. It's called continual prayer. And I have language for it. It's going to help you. It's called resting prayer face, RPF. Some of you have a different default, by the way. Let me just point out, you can't get this teaching anywhere else. Only, only at Center, only at Bold. 
Come on, my brain. Wow. Wow. But the heart behind resting prayer phase is prayer is not something you do. It's, a, it's someone you are. Someone you are. I love the, the book of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. I, this, is, this is not a suggestion, by the way. Rejoice and give thanks, not just when you're getting married, but when you're at a funeral. Rejoice and give thanks, not just when you give birth, but when the loved one dies. Rejoice, not just when you're single and about to get married, but when you're divorced and you, you didn't get the promotion. It's not, there are no conditions on the rejoicing and the giving thanks. And what holds this lifestyle together is the praying continually. There's this lifestyle. And some of you who are super religious, like, what, I, how, how do I pray every minute of the day, Pastor? I'm a techie. I, I can't do that. I love the words of Smith Wigglesworth. He says this, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Some of you, you place this burden that you need to spend every waking minute in prayer. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to don't just spend five minutes in the morning praying and then I'm done with Jesus. I'm going to live my life. Pray in the car with your kids. Pray before that meeting. It's this lifestyle. One of the things I love about this prayer journal is that as a community of faith, we are all on social media. We're all praying together as a church. But the goal is not for you to pray for 21 days. The goal is on day 22, you're still praying. The goal on day 23, you're still praying. And really, I wrote down like this prayer, I want to not just be your last resort, but your first response. What does that look like practically? Before, when you have a migraine, before you take the Tylenol, pray. When your kid has a f- the fever, before you call Kaiser, pray. When you're overwhelmed at work and you need to call your spouse, before you even talk to him or her, you pray. It's this RPF, resting prayer face, that you're constantly praying. You don't need to pray for an hour. But just make, try to make a goal that you won't go more than an hour without praying. And some of you, this, even hearing that encouragement still challenges you. Pastor Ali, I don't know if I can do this. Let me tell you, you were designed by God to pray. Let me try to prove it to you theologically. There's this word in the Old Testament called, literally it's translated, I am that I am. But it's translated Yahweh. Someone say Yahweh. This is God's personal name. When God revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he revealed his name El Shaddai, which means God all-powerful. And when he comes to Moses in the book of Exodus, he says, I did not reveal my personal name to those other guys, but I'm revealing my personal name to you because I want a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. What does I am mean? I am what you need me to be. I am what I am. You need a healer? I can be that. You need a savior? I can be that. You need a shepherd? I can be that. Anything that you need, I can be that person. And what's so crazy is that the Israelites, when they would write the name of God in the Bible, they misspelled it on purpose. If you notice, there are only consonants here. Where are the A's and the E's? Because they're not found in the Bible because they didn't want to blaspheme the name of God. A devout Jew actually didn't even say the name Yahweh as to not blaspheme God. In Hebrews, Jewish scholars, they would say that when you would say the name Yahweh, it's actually four different words. It's yo, he, va, he. Let me say it again. Yo, he, ya, he. It's almost as if you're breathing. It's almost as if you're going inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. 
See, God designed you, even if you're not a believer in Christ, that you just breathe and you're saying his name. So even if you don't pray all day, that's okay. Your, your breath is praying. Because you were designed like a deer pants for water. Your soul was designed to be quenched by him. And in Silicon Valley, most of you will never ruin your life, but you will waste it. You'll give your entire life to Apple and Facebook and this car and this degree. And you'll be successful, but you'll be empty. The greatest lies that the American dream will quench your soul. Only Jesus can. And there's this lifestyle that God wants you to have, whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're sick or you're healthy, whether you're single or you're married. Your soul can be quenched because you have a relationship with the living God. I love the words of Louis Giglio. It says, worship is giving God back his breath. That Yes, I may breathe and say the name of God, but real worship is I'm giving it back to him because he gave me everything. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, so whether you eat or drink or whether you, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We overcomplicate prayer. We try to impress people with our words. Sometimes we overthink it ourselves. And the way you turn prayer into a soul exercise, not just a mental one, is you make it simple. Someone say simple. Yeah. And you make it continual. Someone say continual. continual. Having this constant conversation with God. And this third one is the one that will shift you if you allow it. Because there were times when I was in bed and I didn't have the words to say, but I allowed the spirit that was in me to pray. And this gift is available for all of you. Number three is this, spirit prayer. Someone say spirit. spirit. Probably the number one question I get asked by people who are in our church is, Pastor Ali, what's God's will for my life? Always being asked that question. Do I take this job or that job? Do I date this boy or that boy? Do I draft this running back or that running back? But the new people, they're always like, what kind of church are you? What's the denomination you guys are part of? Like, let me just give you language. We are a non-denominational church, but we are a charismatic church. We have a seatbelt. What does that mean, Pastor? I mean, I pray in tongues, but you'll never hear me up here doing that. We believe in three baptisms. Let me explain what that means. The first one, 1 Corinthians 12 says, no one says that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that you are baptized into the body of Christ. So if you are a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit grabbed you from the, spirit, the kingdom of darkness and he has baptized you in the kingdom of heaven. There's another baptism that we're doing in two weeks, water baptism. I need everyone to pull this card out. Yeah. I want to push you into obedience. People always ask, what's the first thing I need to do as a, as a believer? You want me to go to group, Pastor Al? You want me to serve? I want you to do all those things. But the first thing is you go public with your faith. Yeah, come on. Don't wait. I need you to fill this out if you are. Because what's so amazing is 63 people in this church this last year have said yes to Jesus for the first time. Come on. There's a lot of people that we need to baptize. You need to go public with your faith public with your faith but there's a third baptism Jesus says I will baptize you 
in the Holy Spirit. Whereas the Holy Spirit baptizes you in Jesus. If you just, you don't even need a theology degree. Just get a grammar degree. The subject of the sentence is different. The one baptizing is different. Whereas the Holy Spirit does the first one, Jesus is doing the third one. Yeah. And I, I want to emphasize, we believe in all the gifts of the spirits yeah. here. We pursue them, we believe in them, we operate in them. What do I got to do to receive this, Pastor Ali? Number one, I'll on the screen, believe. Believe the Holy Spirit is still operating. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. It's not some gift that just operated in the first century or just with the apostles. It's today for techies in Silicon Valley. You need the Holy Spirit at your work. Believe me, you're going to definitely need it in Walmart traffic. You need this. Number two is desire. God will rarely give you something that you don't ask for. You need this. Let me show you the nine gifts of the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12. Go back. Or not. <laughs> I'll read them. There it is. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Let me practically show you what this looks like. These are gifts that God wants to give you. I already have faith, Pastor Riley. Yes, but there are times as a pastor, my faith is waning. My faith is shaky. Imagine January 2020, I went to the Hotel Valencia and I negotiated a third service. We were about to start a one o'clock service on top of the 9 and 10.30 that we already had. Why? Because we were bursting at the seams. Then imagine to go from three servers of the Hotel Valencia, the very first service we do in 2021. There was like 50 of you. I'm like, are they playing hide and go seek? Where is everyone? And I felt like, oh, this is just a week. And it became a month and two. And I'm like, is our church dead? God, I need faith that you're going to resurrect this thing that you're not going to let it die. And God gave me faith when I didn't have it. Yeah. Some of you, you're in a marriage that's broken and you don't have the faith for it. That's okay. Ask for it. Some of you need wisdom. How do I, how do I raise my kids to know Jesus? And you'll spend all of your time seeking wisdom, reading these books. Ask the wonderful counselor. It's a spiritual gift that's available. Yeah. What's crazy is and so often, we will read the scriptures and go, I don't know if that's true. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says that when you pray in the Spirit, or, or which is one of the spiritual gifts, go to the next slide. This is the, the one I want to talk about. Praying in tongues. For some of you, th this was the gift that divided your church. Can you go back? Speaking in tongues, please. This is the tongue that divided your church. This is the gift that unites this church. The Holy Spirit is the secret sauce of this church. There are times where you won't have the words to say, but the Holy Spirit wants to pray through you. Let me kind of briefly, quickly explain. There are two types of the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes you'll get in a corporate gathering, and God wants to tell something to the church. So put on someone's heart, and the message is coming down from God. And that person will pray in a language that no one knows, and now needs to be interpreted. That's not the gift I'm talking about. There's another gift where you are speaking to God and the message is coming down, it's going up. And it doesn't need to be interpreted. This is why 
Ephesians chapter 6 is put on the armor of God. And after it tells you to put on the short, sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, it says gird yourself by praying in the Spirit. You can't defend Satan without praying in the Spirit. Well, you need this. Pastor does that mean you pray in tongues? Heck yes, it does. You stand next to me, you'll hear my wife and I praying in tongues every single service. You'll never hear me doing it here, though. And when I was in that room, my brain was stuck. All I could say was, help me, Jesus. And there would be times where I'd be in and out of consciousness, and I would just pray. My mind was fruitless, but my spirit was praying. It's actually a verse in 1 Corinthians 14, and there was a study done for all you techies who are analytical. A study in 2006 done by the University of Pennsylvania. They measured the brainwaves of women praying in English, and they measured their brainwaves praying in tongues. Remarkable, something remarkable happened. Watch. When they were praying in English, their frontal lobe, the activity was off the roof. Your frontal lobe is the part of your brain where you believe it's in control. It's the part of your brain where you plans. It's looking for safety. It's, it's, it's trying to plan and have, like, reduce risk, basically. So when you're praying in English and you're worried about something, that part of your brain is firing off the, the grid. But then they measured their brain when they were praying in tongues. They weren't in some, like, hyper, like, trance. They were fully there, fully understanding, praying in tongues, and the brain waves came down because they turned their brain off and started connecting with God because prayer is not just a, a mind exercise it's a soul exercise yeah. look what it says in Romans chapter 8 meanwhile the moment we get tired in the waiting God's spirit is right alongside helping us if we don't know how or what to pray it doesn't matter he does our praying in and for us when I couldn't pray he was praying in me Making prayers out of our wordless sighs. As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, God. There are times where you don't even know what to say, how to pray. The Spirit of God will pray through you if you let Him. Deers don't talk, and yet they still long for God. You don't need to talk to long to God for God. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knowing our pregnant condition. You ever been around a woman who's pregnant? She's talking, but she ain't talking and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked out into something good. Well, how do I know I'm praying in the Spirit? For all the nine gifts, listen, there are nine fruits of the Spirit. The evidence is not something external, it's something internal. These are the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. See, some of you are going to leave this room encouraged. I'm going to pray differently, and you're going to walk back home into a marriage that's broken. And you don't have peace, but the Spirit of God wants to give it to you. Some of you are going to go to a job tomorrow with, with a boss who's going to underpay you and overwork you and does not appreciate you. And you need patience with him, and you don't have it. But God wants to give it to you. Some of you, God's doctors have said something about your body. Maybe you'll never have children. Maybe that tumor is not going away. And you don't have joy. Weeping may be for an evening, but joy with the Holy Spirit comes in the morning. Yeah. 
I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, However, it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Do you know how this verse ends? Next verse. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Didn't say by his, through our mind. Didn't say when you pray a long time and you give your mind to God, then he's going to, it's by his spirit. There are some things that are unknowable, but God reveals them. Your faith begins when your understanding ends. And there are some of you in this room, we're going to practice praying. Simple, continual, spirit-led prayers. If I get every person to stand up, we're going to do something different in this service. We're going to pray as a community. We're going to pray for some things, for some needs. In this. There are some people in this room that the doctors have said something over you. We're going to pray for a miracle. There are some people in this room that are very discouraged because of their job. We're going to pray for a breakthrough. We're going to pray for healings and miracles. Why? Because we don't need to impress people. My prayers may not be awesome. My wife prays better than me. I can hear it all the time from you guys. Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> but I love that God doesn't hear my eloquent prayers. It doesn't matter. It's simple prayers that matter. Come trying to impress people. I'm trying to connect with God. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you hear us. Thank you, Jesus, because of Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. Our prayers are powerful and effective. That because of the cross, we can come, God. We're just praying for those in this room that are sick, God. That their body, the doctor said something some disease, some sickness, God. And the doctors can't heal it, but you are the divine healer. We're praying for a miracle, Jesus. Elijah prayed, answer me, Lord, answer me. And God, I'm not a man of eloquent words, but I'm praying, heal us, Jesus, heal us. Heal us, Jesus. Heal us. Pray for the marriages in this room that are broken, God, that are hurting. That they come in smiling, but they have the cold shoulder to each other at home. Pray for hope and healing, Jesus. Hope and healing. Pray for those, God, that have been overlooked for promotion at work. They have given their boss everything, but have still been overlooked. God, we just pray for breakthrough. Simple prayer, Jesus, breakthrough. God, I pray for those in this room that are weary, that are tired. God, would you give them rest? Would you give them rest, God? One of my favorite verses is John 19, 28. When Jesus was on the cross, he said very famously, I thirst. And they said the centurion soldiers grabbed a sponge and tried to feed him water, and he didn't want it because Jesus wasn't physically thirsty. He was spiritually thirsty. The one who had perfect intimacy with God, the one who was, who was quenched was becoming dry. The one who had unbroken relationship with Jesus, with God the Father, his relationship was being broken. Why, Pastor Ali, why was that happening? Jesus was suffering so that you could be brought near. 
he became thirsty so that you could be quenched. So that Psalm 42 could be fulfilled. That as a deer, as a Christian, as a follower of God, that as my soul longs for streams of living water, so my soul longs for you. And because of our lack of righteousness, we could never be quenched. But because Jesus became thirsty, we could drink. Because he died, we could live. Because he was pushed away, we could be drawn near. Because he suffered, we could be blessed. And there are some of you in this room, before you pray simple and continual prayers, you need to give your life to Jesus. He became thirsty so that you could be quenched. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is a holy moment for some of you. It's a spiritual moment. That as I was preaching, something in your heart was tugging. There were no words though. But you heard God speaking that he wants a relationship with you. On the count of three, I want you to just shoot your hand up. You're not saying yes to me or this church, but you're saying yes to the living God. His name is Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Amen, amen, amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen, amen. You can put your hand down. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. That you left heaven for me. That you lived a sinless life for me. And because of your sinless life, God, you had unbroken relationship with God. You had the living waters. But you became thirsty, Jesus. You died on a cross for me. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn from my ways and I come back to you. Thank you, God, because of your sacrifice, I can be quenched. I can drink from the Lord and be filled. And everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.